Pastor Xavier Reese makes a distinction between the messenger and the message. I'm always amazed at the people God uses. Tradition tells us that Paul was a small stature. One identifies him with a hooked nose, sort of hairy eyebrows, bow-legged. And if that is true, we can understand why God got the glory. His outward appearance was not the most attractive. And yet God had an incredible plan for this man. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, already today you've made the point clear that man looks at the outward appearance while God really is looking at the heart. As we look to the church today, we see that people's confidence are sometimes more upon a man, upon the quality of entertainment and music, or even the popularity of the pastor. This was never so in the New Testament as we read it. Paul the Apostle was very clear to make known to us that he was a bondservant, that he was the chief among sinners. He was not excellent in speech, he told the Corinthians. He did not perceive as one of authority, though he had the authority of God. And there's such a danger in the modern church today, and I just wonder how much is really the work of the Lord and how much is it the work of man. A.W. Tozer said one time, if the Holy Spirit ceased working, we would see very little difference in the church. And I have to agree with him today. And so we have to be true to the scriptures to try to present the word of God as it is, the word of God, and to be as transparent as possible so that I won't obstruct the message, so that I'm not the focus of the message, being a true shepherd. This was Paul as he writes to the Ephesians about their wealth in Christ, about their walk in Christ, and about the warfare in Christ, solely depending upon the Word of God and the power of God. It has never changed. It will never change. Our desire is that you enjoy the studies, that they benefit you. And if God ministers to you, and if you're a listener of the program, that you get in contact with us. Let us know if they're ministering to you, meeting your needs. And this way we are going to be good stewards of what God has given to us. This is the only way we can know. And so may the Lord bless you, and may he bless his word. All right. Well, let me take a second to give the address where people can get in touch for that. Our address is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Emails can be sent to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. And I'll be repeating all that after the message. And we hope you'll take a moment soon to let us know you're listening. But for now, let's get right into today's study. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The message is entitled, Greetings from Paul. Paul the Apostle has been gone from Ephesus for about five years, and he is now writing to them about the majesty of the church in view of Christ being its head. The occasion was just his relationship, his love with them. And he wrote them this incredible uh, epistle, which many believe is the composite of Paul's many years 
of ministry. And certainly it gives the picture of the church as a glorious bride to the incredible head of Christ Jesus. The letter follows the usual manner and pattern of Paul's day. And so we want to examine the greeting and salutation here to the Ephesians, uh, which is identified by three things. Let me read the first two verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The salutation and greeting is marked by these three things. First, the writer. Second, the recipients. And thirdly, the regards. Let's begin here with the writer of the epistle, which is given to us in verse 1. Notice first, the author of the letter is said to be Paul. His name comes from the Latin meaning small or little. Tradition tells us that Paul was of small stature. One identifies him with a hooked nose sort of hairy eyebrows, bow-legged. And if that is true, we can understand why God got the glory. <laughs> I'm always amazed at the people God uses. You see, God's not interested in, 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 in beautiful people. He has nothing against them. He just knows that they're problems at times. We can get so enamored with our own looks, our own ability and yet Paul is an incredible example as he was an obedient servant to God. And yet his outward appearance was not the most attractive. We know what God feels about that as he expressed it to Samuel, seeking for the king who told him to anoint. And all the sons of, 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 of Jesse came forth and, and truly they were tall and handsome. And, and boy, and this must be the one. Nope, nope. And there comes in this red-headed, freckle-faced, naughty kid, and God says, that's him. Anoint him. Amazing. The word Paul is a derivative of the word which means to pause or to restrain, to come to an end. The name is a beautiful reflection of what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. Remember, he was on his way to incarcerate Christians and kill them. He had letters from the Pharisees, and in Acts 9, he's on his way, and he's so proud, he's so pompous, he's so confident, he's so outraged about these Christians, those on the way, and yet God appears to him, and all of a sudden, he becomes real small. That's always the effects of one who meets and encounters God. I'm not talking about someone who goes to church. I'm not talking about someone who says he's a Christian. I'm talking about someone who is encountered by the living God. You remember that Paul, prior to his conversion, his name was Saul. That was his Hebrew name, as many in those days had both Greek and Hebrew names. His name, Saul, means ask or inquire or request. And I'm sure it was after King Saul's popularity, the great king. And yet God had an incredible, an incredible plan for this man. He had no idea of what was to have happened to him. But again, what an incredible combination of these two names in view of God's call in his life. He was first called Saul, ask. 
And the second was Paul, little one. Ask, little one. And that's really what God wants to bring us to, to that place where we see ourselves as we really are. As we compare ourselves to each other, we might pick someone who's worse than us, so we end up on top. But when we compare ourselves to God, then we get a true perspective of the measure of ourselves. Very, very small. It would be like you walking out to the backyard and you have a mound of ants there, and you have a little ant down there looking up at you going like this. Well, it's kind of ludicrous. All you have to do is stomp on them. That's the picture of man in regards to God, but he doesn't know it. Notice, secondly, that the authority in which Paul presents himself is an apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostle, as you know, means one sent out or commission. The word usually is identified with a superior who, in fact, sends one out as his representative or ambassador. The man Paul here was using the word in description of his office. He had been called by God to communicate the gospel, and he's using it in virtue of his authority, not to impress, not to push his weight around, but to simply identify his position. Often this is done today in letters. And someone from a corporation may write and say, you know, I, John Williams, the director of General Motors Corporation. So that the letter that's received is received in the authority of the man who is writing it. And the perspective of what is read is perceived through the authority behind the letter. And that's all that Paul is doing here. The apostleship of Paul, notice, was of Christ Jesus, not his own. The title Christ, as you know, means anointed in the Greek. And it focuses on the one who was the anointed of God. In other words, Jesus Christ is not just another guru that they were following. He wasn't another one of the avatars, the appearances of the many gods. He was the anointed of God, the very one that the prophets had prophesied about. The word is the translation of the Hebrew Messiah. They are equivalent. But notice his name. His name is Jesus in the Greek. That name is the translation from the Hebrew name Joshua. Joshua is the contraction of the word Jehovah Shua, which means Jehovah's salvation. So you have Jehovah, Joshua, and Jesus. They all mean the same thing. Jehovah is salvation. In other words, Paul was a representative of the anointed of God whose name was Jesus and not the representative of himself. He made that very clear not only in this epistle, but in all his other epistles. Now, as you know, there were different categories of apostles. There were the 70 that Jesus sent out in Luke 10.1. He sent them out by twos. He gave them the message. He went sent them out. He followed them along. There were also the 12. Luke tells us 6, 12 through 13. He gives us their names. 12 of them, Jesus, after praying all night, chose them. And their requirement is given to us in the book of Acts in chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. They are distinct. 
the 12. The requirement was this. First, they were to be with Jesus from his baptism in the Jordan by John. Secondly, they were to be with Jesus till he was taken up in the Mount of Olives at the ascension. Those were the two requirements for you to be one of the 12 apostles. Now, there are those who believe that Paul was the 12th apostle. I personally do not believe that, first of all, because he does not meet the criteria of Acts 1, 21 and 22. He was not with Jesus from the baptism of John unto Jesus, and he was not with Jesus and until Jesus was taken up in the ascension. But not only that, Paul was in no time one who said he was the 12th. And as a matter of fact, Paul says that he was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, but never one of the 12. And he says this in 1 Timothy 2.7. And yet, he did not consider himself inferior to any apostle. Listen to him. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you. For in nothing I am behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. 2 Corinthians 12, 11. So he was distinct from the twelve, but not inferior to the twelve. At the same time, he recognized he was not worthy in and of himself due to his persecution of the church. In 1 Corinthians 2, 11, he says... He calls himself the least of the apostles, not meet to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church, yet by God's grace, he was what he was. So much did he consider himself an apostle with full authority that he declared himself to be one born out of due season or time or an abortion in 1 Corinthians 15.8. Having a proper perspective of his own person, he was very confident in his apostleship directly from Jesus Christ. Now, notice that the call of his apostle, of Paul's apostleship, was by the will of God. So here again, we're going to see the intertwining of the Father and the Son, and you see you're going to see the Holy Spirit also. You have the, the Trinity being all mixed in and involved in the constant work of the church and the believer. Paul, recognizing his call immediately after his conversion, these were the first words out of his mouth. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do in Acts 9, 6? Immediately, Paul recognized his call. Now, often I'm asked as a pastor by young men who feel that God is calling them, how did you know you were called? Well, to me, it was just, a change of life, and I began to walk as a Christian, and then God just began to steer and to guide and open doors and began to put a desire for studying God's Word, and it was affirmed through open doors, through desire, and everything else. But God works differently with everybody, but you and I are responsible for knowing confidently what we are called to do. I can't tell you that. Only God can tell you that. So you are to prepare yourself in the word and prayer and fellowship. Make yourself available and he will be faithful to guide and redirect you. As he works in your heart, you will know. Paul says, what do you want me to do? First words out of his mouth. 
There are some who know just like Paul, I'm called. Others who have to work through things and God has to do it different. Everybody's different. God, through his sovereignty, called and anointed Paul for his apostleship. Notice that Paul is the only one who records his call by the will of God. No one else records it like that in the New Testament. He records it in Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, many others. He was so confident of his call that he always described it according to the will of God. What a great joy it is that whatever you are involved in, whatever you may do in life, that you can look back and you can look at the time and say, you know, I'm doing the will of God. Somebody can think that you're all burned out, you're wasting your time, but you're just peaceful. You say, man, God's so good. <laughs> doing the will of God. You're not concerned what somebody else is doing. You're not concerned what somebody else is involved in. You're doing what God has called you to do in the church and in your life. Then you can enjoy life. Again, we're each responsible to know that. And it's possible. God's not like the uh, Easter bunny. You're getting warm. You're cold. You want to know the will of God, you must know the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you'll always be wondering what the will of God is. And you'll be living your life like the superstitious religious pagan. Not knowing, only hoping. To the Galatians, he said, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead in Galatians 1.1. Now you remember that in Galatians, his apostleship was in question. And so Paul could have used that fact right there. He says, listen, I'm one of the 12. I replaced Judas Iscariot. He could have done it and it would have been great then. He never did that. He just says, what I received was not of man, nor by man. As a matter of fact, in Galatians 1.15, he says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Paul saw himself as Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1.5, where God tells Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I separated you. I called you. Incredible. Remember what God told Ananias? He told him that Paul was a chosen vessel to bear his word before the Gentiles, before kings and the children of Israel in Acts 9, 15 through 16. Because Ananias was a little freaked out. He says, Lord, don't you know who this guy is? Can you imagine that? That's good. I like reading that because I, there's hope for Xavier. Because sometimes I try to tell God what's going on. Sometimes we get freaked out with the situation, huh? And we think God needs our help to inform him on what's happening. He calls himself an ambassador of Christ through which God was pleading and imploring on behalf of Christ to be reconciled in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Just simply an instrument. Paul so believed that he was called by the will of God that he damned anyone who taught anything contrary to the gospel in Galatians 1, 8, and 9. Even if we or an angel preach any other gospel than you have received, let him be anathema, the strongest word of damnation in the Greek. Heavy. Jesus is the greatest apostle sent to this world by the Father. As a matter of fact, he is called an apostle by Paul in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, holy brethren, 
partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, Hebrews 3.1. He was one who was sent out from all eternity, from his glory, from his throne, to this dark and empty world to proclaim the gospel, to present the gospel, to be the gospel. Greatest apostle. Each of us should be what Paul's name indicates, little and small before God and man, because none of us have anything that we have not received freely from God. And that's why Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you have not received? And if you have received it, why are you boasting? I'm always amazed at our ability to want to turn God's grace into our personal boasting. It is innate in us to boast, to want people to admire us, to applaud us. It's like little kids, right? When they first start off and they do something, say, hey, Dad, watch this. Boom. He wants you to say, oh, boy, what a big boy. We do kind of the same thing. God ministers to us, does something. We say, hey, you know what God showed me? And we want people to say, oh, great Christian. It's innate in us, people. We have to be careful. Each of us should not remove ourselves from identifying ourselves here with Paul, who was sent, for we are all ambassadors of Christ and have the ministry of reconciliation, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20. And God is pleading by Christ through us for people to be reconciled to God. We are his instrument. Each of us should realize that God called us before the foundation of the world according to his will. We're going to get to that in chapter 1, verse 4, where he says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Amazing that God chose you. I'm so glad God chose me. When did he choose me? Before the foundation of the world. And that's a whole different matter. We don't want to get sidetracked. But some of you may say, well, that's not fair. I, what if he didn't choose me? Well, how do you know he didn't choose you? Well, I haven't come. Why haven't you come? I don't want to come. Well, maybe he didn't choose you. That's not fair. Well, then why don't you come? <laughs> He's sovereign. He's just. He calls. He chooses. But he rejects none. Now figure that equation out. Each of us need to understand that it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3.9 says, I'm always amazed at the people God saves. I myself am a perfect example. But even at times I look at some and I say, ah, forget it. And then God saves them. And he humbles me. <laughs> Sometimes we think that God is beyond certain people or that people are beyond God's reach. And yet God is so sovereign. He's so merciful. He's so graceful. He's in the business of saving souls. And business is good. <laughs> he always finds a way. Yet he never forces or bends the will of man. And that's the amazing thing. So Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up our time together today, taking a revealing look at Paul the Apostle and Servant. Now you can pick up a copy of today's message, Greetings from Paul. It's available for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD. And there's much more to this study that we've got planned to share next time as well. But if you'd like to get a head start on getting your own copy on the way, just get in touch with your request. And the title again is Greetings from Paul, or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And to reach us with your comments or questions for Pastor Xavier via email, that's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Again, simpletruths at ccpas.com. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station, however you choose to contact us. Our day and age seems to have a moving target when it comes to truth. Pastor Xavier Reese has more from Paul's letter to the Ephesians next time on what really defines truth both then and now. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 